podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Project MK Ultra, also called the CIA Mind Control Project, is the code name given to the program of experiments on the citizens of America and other countries. These experiments can be described nothing short as atrocities. Today we will look at these experiments in more detail and the terrible discontent that the CIA treated American citizens, soldiers and other personnel with as they saw them as nothing but objects to be tested on. Join us as we discuss the weird and terrifying world of the MKUltra and CIA experiments. I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the channel which features podcast series on a whole host of subjects. We have shows and series on mental health, football, films, TV, wrestling, music, serial killers, and much, much more. Including the new series, Unscripted and Uncensored, where we've got no run-through or no scripts, and you guys send in the questions and subjects for the guests. Unedited, unprepared, and uh, can be a bit unruly. Uh, we've had Roderick Giggs, uh, the owner of Away Day Apparel, and Lee Remedios, ex-MMA fighter on those shows so far. They've been a lot of fun, and they've been quite popular. Uh, you can find all our shows in video format at the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, and audio versions are all the usual podcasting sites, including the newly available Deezer, Google Podcasts, and Breaker, and uh, soon-to-be iHeartRadio. Could find us and join the conversation at facebook.com slash acecastnation. No podcast. Uh, So to join me, it's been a very long time since we've had a chat about the old conspiracy theories. It's uh, my co-host, Reese. Welcome back, buddy. Good to be back. Sorry, it has been too long, mate. Too long, too long. It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting, as usual. So um, the last time we were on, we did MKUltra, and we just talked about it generally. Uh, so today we're just going to go into some specifics and specific cases because there's a lot. Um, I only Googled for a, like half hour and I found like a load of different ones. So we'll just go through some of them, talk about the, uh, the shit they got down to because it is shady. Shady shit, mate. Um, so a little quick disclaimer before we head down the terrifying and weird road to conspiracy theories, we want to point out that just because we discuss a particular theory doesn't mean we believe it to be true, agree with the points of view in any way, or think that that's what went down. We are simply discussing the popular theories and the evidence presented by the people who championed them. Let's say that quicker and quicker every time. Getting good at it, mate. Yeah, it's repetitive. It? But there we go. Got to say it because someone will get upset. But you know, we talk about them because they're interesting, mate. That's the way. That's the that's the, that's the gist of it. That's it. People love conspiracy theories. Still, the most popular show that we do, like on a regular basis. All the different guests and had some decent, you know, decently big names on the show so far. And you know, they all do well. Especially some of them do really, the Andy Campbell shows, doing really well on YouTube and audio downloads but like this one is like the most consistently downloaded so we haven't had a few for a week so hopefully people will be itching for some more um 
Okay. So CIA documents which were declassified suggest that they investigated chemical, biological, and radiological methods of mind control as part of MKUltra. They spent an estimated $10 million or more, roughly adjusted would be $87.5 million for, uh, for inflation. Like $10 million, well, there you are, $87 million for what money is today, it's shitload of money. Like $10 million in the 50s and 60s is just, that's just an incredible amount of money. So they, you know, they thought it was viable, uh, particularly the LSD side of it. They thought that was the way to go. That was the way to break prisoners. That was the way to, you know, wipe people's mind. That was the way to create these Manchurian candidates, which obviously we will do a show just on Manchurian candidates just because I love the films. But there we go. Um, so like the early CIA efforts, they focus on LSD, specifically LSD-25, um, which is a particular strain, um, and it dominated the MKUltra programs. The CIA wanted to know if they could make Soviet spies defect uh, you know, against their will, whether the Soviets wanted to do so or not, and and whether the Soviets could do that to the CIA operatives. Um, yeah. So, like, as I've, you know, a friend of a friend who took LSD has told me that this is very, very unlikely because it's just not a controlled environment to do it. Like... There's so many different things and different ways that it could go when you give someone LSD, particularly when they don't know about it. Um, but even when you give it to someone who knows about it or has volunteered for it or, you know, is a willing participant, there's so many things that can happen, so many different yeah. experiences, and it can go downhill real quick to the point where the person who's taken it, you know, can't speak, you know, basically. Um and obviously, after 15, 20 years of trying, they found that out um, and they abandoned sort of using LSD. They did use other drugs, you know, but um, yeah, they they liked their LSD. Um, so we got in Project MPL to got underway in 80, uh, 53, sorry. Uh, they included giving LSD to mental patients, uh, prisoners, drug addicts and sex, sex workers, basically people who could not fight back or people who, if they moaned about it, the authorities basically wouldn't care. People um, cared about pretty much. Well, that's it, mate. It's yeah, definitely. That's well, why they did it. And then, um, you know, obviously they moved on because uh, in this one article, which I was sort of getting some of the information from, it says one, one agency officer put it that, you know, these people couldn't fight back. So that's why they were the initial yeah. uh, test subject because Easy yeah so they well, were they, and well yeah one one man one patient who was in a mental health facility in Kentucky they gave him LSD for 174 days straight so like not guy? yeah well, what's so not giving it to him oh god yeah if he was and plus he was already in a mental health facility um but it like, and that's not giving him LSD, and then it wears off like a day yeah, later, and then giving it that's giving it to him 
every day like a medicine at eight to say eight a.m. in the morning every day. Take this, take this. Can you imagine? You know, I like with all drugs. I suppose whether they're uh, recreational or like just pharmaceutical by the doctors, there becomes a point where you, you hit like a, a maximum where your body is not going to be affected by it. Yeah, does it start just... You just stop. Like, I, 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 like you can only get so so high, I suppose, or so, so you know, you can only get so much effect. Like, if you took... So, like, for instance, like the painkillers, which I have to take, like I take whatever dosage, but if I keep going back and saying, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, there'll be like a maximum dosage where they'll say, oh, we'll have to try something else because... yeah. It just won't do any different, and if anything, it'll do the opposite. Um, and I'd imagine at some point over that 174 days, it probably stopped working. But by the time they got to that point, that guy would have been in such a mess. I, you know, like I don't care what anyone says. There's no way that person recovered to ever have any semblance of a, you know, like a like I don't want to say a meaningful life because he could have gone on you know you might just have a lot of issues but like to have a normal as whatever normal is these days there's no way you would have been able to go and you know have a job and a family and stuff because no surely you'd have to be seriously affected from that well mate like just doing like just people who do like psychotropic drugs like lsd and mushrooms and things like that on a regular basis it messes them up yeah totally Whether it's just just a little bit or just an extra bit like i told you before about my friend who took magic mushrooms when he was about 16 had a really bad experience of a mountain and got lost and never recovered like he recovered from it and he went on to have a decent life blah blah, blah. but he's been had mental health problems ever since yeah paranoid and always and like he even took it again a couple of times after that to try and counteract it so like have a good experience so that it wasn't all that he could think about had like the bad experience if that makes sense yeah and like that person he only did it three times i think or four times and it caused loads of issues for him throughout life like and he's the same age as me now like 38 37 38 this year so like if you think of that just four times in a whole life magic mushrooms not even a high dosage either that was like a really really low dosage because it it was the first time he had ever done it yeah so like if you think say so even if you say he'd never done the other three times he still would have had the negative effects because it happened the first time he took a really low dosage and he still was he was messed up from that first time the other times was kind of like a I wouldn't say like a peer pressure thing, but like a, it was partially because he wanted to have a good experience, like people he knew had had, yeah. to kind of wipe out the other one. But also, just because like other people were doing it, and yeah. it was like a thing to do. But that one time caused him loads mm-hmm. of issues. So if you imagine if he had done it like loads and loads of times throughout like a two or three year span from like sixteen to nineteen. He could have had some real, real, like proper, like psychiatric issues, which would could have caused hospitalization and stuff. So you're talking about a really low dosage, and I know, like, if everything affects everyone differently, 
But this guy, who already had mental health issues, giving it for 174 days, and you're talking like a chemical, you know, they would have given him like, it would have been like a pure kind of dosage. You know, it wasn't going to be like mixed or cut with anything because yeah. they were using it for, it was in a laboratory, you know, being used for experiments. Um, but they didn't give a shit. Um, it's crazy, so, yeah, and they like they also administered LSD to CIA employees, military personnel, doctors, other government agents, members of the general public, just so they could study their reaction. The LSD and the other drugs were often administrated without the subject's knowledge or consent, which is a violation of the Nuremberg Code, um, which the US had actually agreed to follow after World War II. So, like, they were breaking all sorts of laws um, doing these they still experiments. Now, probably, man. Yeah, well, of course they are. They just do it in a different manner these days, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And they, so what they did then, uh, there was this one operation which was called Operation Midnight Climax, which sounds like a porn film in itself. Uh, the CIA <laughs> they set up several brothels uh, within agency safe houses in San Francisco, California to obtain a selection of men who would be too embarrassed to talk about the events. So basically, they dosed these guys in the brothels. The brothels were equipped with two-way mirrors, and the sessions were filmed so that they could view them and study them afterwards. In other yeah. experiments, the people were given LSD without their knowledge. They were interrogated under like really bright lights with doctors in the background taking notes. They told the subjects that they needed to extend their trips, and if they refused to reveal their secrets, they would keep dosing them. It's it's it's, it's horrific, mate. Um, that's that's just it's just pure torture. Well, mate, if you think like if you were being having a bad trip anyway, just generally, and someone threatened you with I'm going to prolong it because I I hear again through friends that like if you're having a bad trip. One of the worst poss- one of the worst feelings is that you feel like you're never going to come down. It's never going to wear off. And because like LSD and mushrooms are tend to be like a twelve hour thing, obviously varies. But like generally, they're quite a long experience. It can be that's the thing which makes people lose it or be a bit paranoid or go on like yeah. I have a bad experience because they think, what if I never come down? And it, because you're in, so you're taking something which alters your brain and alters your brain chemistry and the way it functions. You, they can't always talk themselves down or talk themselves logically into, you know, or it'll wear off in a bit, and they go into this big spiral. So you imagine you had like bright lights and you're being asked questions and you're being tortured, and then you have that threat of we're gonna give, we're gonna dose you again and make it even longer. It's horrific, mate. Um, the worst type of torture is mental. Oh, absolutely, mate. And, and I think I feel like these days they've they've realised that over the years, the like the CIA and these types of people who do this sort of thing have realised that when you use violence as torture, is people will generally just eventually say what you want them to say, whereas. I think psychological and mental torture is something which can be used in such a way that you 
people they or they think certainly that they can get the truth out of people easier or they can break people easier but it's the long-term effects of those tortures and those abuses which i think well we'll get into I some of them now but like people set up several brothels inside the agency safe houses san francisco california and uh, they used to basically select men who would be too embarrassed to talk about what was going on they would go some with lsd and then the brothels were equipped with one-way mirrors and the sessions were filmed for later viewing and study and then they'd have other experiments where the people would be given lsd without their knowledge and then they were interrogated under really bright lights and uh, the doctors and, that, and like we were talking about like the trips and stuff and the amount of um like psychological stress that that would be when they say things like they're going to extend the trips and stuff is just scary mate oh yeah it's beyond how can they get away with doing it it's bizarre mate and the thing is the people under interrogation who they were using they're like cia employees and u.s military personnel agents of like suspected of working for like the other side and cold war and stuff and it's like they're doing that to their own people so god knows what they were doing to people they had you know no affiliation to whatsoever like just joe public or just like homeless people or like we discussed before like uh like prostitutes and sex workers and stuff it's just scary mate because they're using like people like CIA people and USA uh, US military personnel agents as well spies they're going to be like aware to a certain degree of certain things and oh, they're yeah. going to be aware of like, the tactics and the experiments going on or at least some of them would be <laughs> and they were just doing it to them as well like um, they, they, they were just doing it to anyone they wanted to yeah, it's like they, because they had no control over it because of the type of drugs that they were using, like like we know now that it was it would never work the way they wanted it to work. But because of that, it caused a lot of long, long-term debilitation afterwards. Several deaths resulted from this. And then people who had been dosed would turn to other drugs where they couldn't cope with the... Um, you know, with the psychological trauma of it all, like heroin and stuff like that. Um, and what they used to do as well is they would use heroin addicts, but they would bribe them by giving them more heroin into taking LSD. So, like, that just tells you everything you need to know then, doesn't it? Because, yeah. like... And, and, like, we've you've never found out what doses of LSD and things they've been giving them as well. Yeah, it just says the type, doesn't it? Which yeah. is obviously like a, a clinical sort of type of it, which would have been pure and would have been cut with stuff. But yeah. Like, and the thing is, like, they when they were using the people like who were already addicted to like heroin or cocaine or whatever, already drug addicts, is they they are only interested those people in how they can get their next fix. Yeah. So. Of course, they're going to say, yeah, I'll take some LSD if you give me my next 
dose of whatever. And the thing is, back then, LSD, they didn't really know much about it. And it no. was quite a respected drug, should we say. You know, loads of people at the time were doing it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, it was rife within, yeah. like, rock Woodstock stars. And and stuff look like at all that. that. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just it's weird looking back on it because, like, what they wanted it to do, LSD wouldn't do that. Like, it's not something which would wipe your mind and, and yeah, it might be able to be used if it was mixed with other stuff. It, it makes me think, what were they using with it? Yeah, they, um, I know in some of the stuff which I had, they said that they were using other drugs like mescaline and, and DMT and AMT and psychobilin and, like... They did, you know, they were using other psychoactive drugs, but, like, they seemed to focus in very much on LSD as their kind of drug of choice. Certainly in the the early days of MKUltra and stuff and the other experiments which they did before that, which we talked about in the previous show. Um, So they, they slipped. LSD into the deputy US marshal Wayne Ritchie's drink. Uh, he had a bo- bourbon and soda, and they put uh, LSD in his drink. He had a bad trip, which culminated in him holding up the bar at gunpoint. He f- was he he was fired from his job as a US marshal, and only decades later, in 1999, he actually learned that he had been the subject of this secret drug experiment. And that he was one of many test subjects. Like that guy lost his livelihood. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he had the, this really respectable job, which I'm sure he really liked. He was high up. He's he was a deputy and whatever. And he lost it all. And then, like decades later, he finds out. Oh, that's why I went nuts out of the blue for no reason. Too late then, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like Dead he's over. retired, and then and they just you think, cut him yeah. loose and just leave him there. Discarded him, left him out to think that he had like just been. But well, I would. I'd, it's difficult to say what the med, medical people would have said at the time. Like these days, you they would people would have just thought he'd had like a psychotic break. So it, I tend to think. I haven't got any information to say it, but you tend to think that if the the medical personnel of like the fifties and sixties, they would have probably just chucked him in a like a mental hospital or something, or a veterans hospital, or, you know, somewhere. Even if it was only temporarily, while they assessed him after the incident, but like they weren't exactly uh, working hard with mental health and stuff. Then, you know, to find the problem, they would have thought he just went nuts with a gun and just lost it one day. Yeah, they were just, just like, screw you over, Dan. Yeah, Bob. he was just... Forget, just, forget about him, get on next one. So, um, at the invitation of Stanford Psychology, uh, a graduate student called Vic, Lo- Vic Lovell, who was an acquaintance of uh, Richard Alpart and Alan Ginsberg, uh, Ken Casey, they volunteered to take part in what turned out to be a CIA-financed study, uh, which was under sort of a MK Ultra, 
which was taking place at the Menlo Park Veterans Hospital. Uh, and they basically, this uh, Vic Lovell, he worked as a, a like a night aide. Um, and they just basically, in this hospital, just studied the effects of psychoactive drugs on the patients. So they used uh, LSD, psilocybin, I can't really, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, mescaline, cocaine, AMT, DMT on these people, uh, many of which didn't know that they were being given it. But like, even like the LSD and the, the others, like cocaine, obviously people, you know, know what that does these days. But like DMT is like supposed to be more like full on and more more visual hallucinations than what LSD causes. Well, I, I, I've got a story about that. Go I've on. got a, a friend who was at Glastonbury this one time. And he met these two Mexican chaps, full-on fucking Aztec Mexican weird dudes, my friend told me. And they gave him a tiny, tiny little line of this white powder. Mm. And like, what? when my friend was saying this story... My friend was quite offended that they'd given him such a small line because <laughs> obviously he thought it was Colombian marching powder. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It turns out it was this DMT. 16 hours later, my mm-hmm. friend has been through the feeling of every drug imaginable and visited yeah. lots of different worlds and planes. Oh, that yeah. stuff it's out of this world, mate. It's, watching my friend on it was crazy. Yeah, Joe um, Joe Rogan's a big proponent of it. He says that it's, he thinks that it's healthy to do it like a couple of times a year or once every now and again because it helps like center you and helps you get in touch with uh, like different parts of you soul and your body it's and a your reason mind. it relates just... Joe Rogan so much mate he's the nicest craziest psychopath you'll ever meet yeah but the thing is like he views it as, as like a way to get out of stress and and think of things differently and think of the world differently and like this sort of stuff which is all very well if you know you're taking it and you know I'm, well, I'm going to do this all the way when he comes when he when he says like the things he promotes as such we say and what he finds gives him a more balanced life etc when it's natural remedies i'm with them all the way mate but chemicals dmt lsd anything like that somebody is making it you're putting your life in someone's hands you know that's serious shit mate you know things are ground you know what they are whether it be mushrooms cannabis whatever way he chooses to do it I mean, even cocaine in its most natural form technically grows out the ground. Yeah, and well, look at the look at um, the Leeds Festival this weekend. Last night, this seventeen-year-old girl took um, some—I don't know what it was. Actually, I was going to say ecstasy, but took some sort of drugs, <laughs> um, and she she OD'd or she died overnight. Like seventeen-year-old girl. And the problem is, is you you hit the nail on the head a minute ago, is when you take something from anyone, if you take something from someone you don't know, if you take something which isn't like a homegrown or isn't grown naturally, you're yeah. putting yourself 
in a position where you're trusting people, you're trusting the people who make it, then you're trusting the people who've bought it and either they're not cutting it with something because they want to make more profit and then you're trusting then the final sort of dealers yeah. who are selling it at the festivals or the like, streets. And it's just... It's the like, massive change in it all was in our era, mate. When I was younger, I'm talking 16 to 18, like I'm 41 now, so I'm a bit older than you. When I was younger, drugs made people happy and love everyone. Yeah. Nowadays, people only want to do drugs to get off their face. And that's that's not the purpose of drugs and the point of it. You know, these things were brought out to make you feel better, basically. Yeah, and it's, it's like I say, it's like these days, I think you just don't know this. Like they, I think, like when we were younger, if you were buying like weed or something, it was like off someone's brother or a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. You always kind of knew where you were getting stuff from. Yeah. But like these days, like obviously, like I'm the same as you, I'm old and. I'm completely out of that type of scene now. But, like, I was in it when I was younger. And, like, it was very, very rare that we would have got anything off anyone that we didn't know. Yeah. And I know, I still understand that the risks are still the same because it goes through several different groups of people before it gets to the person who's selling it to, you know, you on the street or whatever. But, like... The huge difference back then was, like, in my time, like, say for cannabis, there were probably only four people you could go get it off. Nowadays, there's four people per fucking street, mate. Yeah. And with so many people selling it, it's the same as a shop. They're going to start trying to find a way to make their product cheaper or a way to make more money. See what I'm going with it? You know? Whether it's to make it stronger, to make it last longer, yeah. to cut you come in so that they're not using as much of their stuff. To, uh... I, I, I got a friend who works in drugs in the police, and I remember yeah. saying to me once, basically, something like 99% of the cocaine you find on the streets nowadays is about 2-3% pure. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll probably go through three or four countries before it comes to us. Obviously... It leaves its original destination, it's 100%. You know, coming out that jungle. The next yeah. person it goes to, they're chopping 10, 15% off that, they're making it bigger. Yeah, How many times does that go on down the chain? Them. And then by the time it gets to fucking Johnny on the streets, he's sniffing two paracetamol and ibuprofen and some teething powder. You know, he's going to have an oh, awesome yeah. sleep. His headache will be gone for three weeks and he's going to feel lovely. Yeah, it's a weird one, mate. And like like you said, you just take your, take your life in your hands when you're taking like pills and stuff these days because I think generally, not like I'm sure there's not everyone's like it, but like generally people, I think, are much more selfish in 2019 than they were in... 1995. Oh, 100%, mate. And people don't um, care no more. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, mate. Remember when Leah Betts, that first, like, 
Ecstasy Death, the Essex Boys, yeah. all that stuff. Look mm. at the uproar and outrage over that. Someone died yeah. off this drug. And it was. It was intense. The, the whole country knew yeah. about it. There was uproar. As horrible as it is, there's, there's two, three people a day in my town over and things. Yeah. I used to know a lad in I be fair. And he lived with his girlfriend out there. If he wanted to go on a night out with the lads and she was doing his head in, he'd take a load of that GHB because it'd make mm. you OD and just basically almost like going to a coma for a few hours. And he'd do it on purpose just so she'd get ratty and piss off and he could go out with the boys. People have got no respect for anyone else and not even themselves. No. And the thing is as well, mate, is like... I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. But um, going back to DMT, DMT is it's actually natural, like it's made naturally, and they call it they call it the spirit molecule. Um, but it's, uh, it's supposed to be very, very intense, you know, and it's supposed to be more sort of visually hallucinogenic than what LSD is. So, like, if you're giving that to like people like they were who <coughs> who don't know they're having it you you know how many people that, could have absolutely. yeah well how many how many people could start hallucinating yeah and not think that they're having some type of breakdown like you say not dmt when you said you know it's so much more than lsd like i i got a friend who's a proper old school hippie type and then i'll never forget him telling me the story magic mushrooms were a trip lsd was psychedelic mm. and then when this dmt came out he said they basically put the two of them together jacked it up with steroids and repeated that process about 10 times and then you got your dmt he said you can't explain what this stuff is so, like, think about it. Like, if you were just going about your business, whatever your business is, whether you were, like, if you were, like, an addict or you were in a mental hospital or you were a CIA worker, analyst, going about your day, and then you started hallucinating and you'd freak out or whatever, like, you're not going to stop and think, oh, someone must have sparked my drink or my food or whatever, because it would be so intense that you, your brain wouldn't be able to process that part yeah. of it. Because Especially you would just if think... it's, you know, just a member of Joe Public, doesn't do drugs, you know, just a normal general person. Oh, yeah. They never have done you one never of these drugs in their life. Like so yeah. they don't even know what they're experiencing. And you'd be too scared to ask someone what you're experiencing. Yeah. Because you'd think, you, like, how? <laughs> It's scary, mate. It's scary that the the lack of compassion and empathy that these people had, um, and I know, like over the years, they've kind of hidden behind. Well, it was my job. This is what they, you know, that's bullshit, mate. Yeah. Because no matter what your job is, it's kind of it's up to you what you do and how you behave and how you treat people. And if you say no, that's too much. No, I don't want to do that. And yeah, you know, there might be situations where for some of these people where if they'd said that, they may have been threatened or killed. But yeah. like, 
to me, and maybe it's easy for me to say that I would say, no, I'm not going to hurt innocent people, no matter what you do to me. But then maybe that's different if they say, well, that's all right. If you don't do it, we're going to go and kill your children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it isn't quite as simple as just that these people should have just said no. It's more than likely also a case of the agents they use to do this have probably been brainwashed themselves a little bit to go and do it. Yeah, you don't know what they've been through or what they've done or what they've... You don't know if they're being threatened. You don't know if they've been coerced themselves. It's... It's never ending, mate. The MK Ultra and like the the drugging of people. You just don't know how how they did it, how many people they did it to, who they did it to. So like the Office of Security in the US, they used LSD and interrogations. And uh, Dr. Sidney Gokhtliev, the chemist who directed MK Ultra, had sort of other ideas. He thought that if you could use it in covert operations, because its effects were temporary, he believed that you could sort of give it to a high-ranking official, and in this way, it, it would affect the course of important meetings or speeches, you know, any, like if they're put, putting some sort of um, new laws through, you know, he, he felt that you could use LSD to, to, to kind of direct important high-ranking officials to where, you know, where they want to go, where they want, what they want them to say, what they want them to put in place. Um, which would make a lot of sense with the world going the way it's gone. But, you know, if found out that they'd all been drugged on LSD, it would explain a lot. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's another story. So, um, and they, you know, they did loads of shady shit. Um, the experimentation progressed. A point arrived where outsiders were being drugged with no explanation whatsoever. Um, they would like have just given people surprise acid trips, uh, and it just became something of like an occupational hazard among CIA operatives that they just had to deal with it. Um, adverse reactions were occurring, such as an operative who received the drug in his morning coffee became psychotic and ran across Washington because he was seeing a monster in every car passing him thinking that he was being chased and it's like they're just doing it because they were doing it it's not even i can't even see the benefit of it myself like it just seems like they just see it just wanted to see what would happen literally just wanted to what happens if we give it to this guy how is yeah, he going to all i can assume is they were kind of hoping that it just opens up the mind to suggestion that there's no other plausible explanation yeah. for it but, like, it seems like they weren't doing it in, like, a controlled environment a lot like, of the time. There's drugs like, out there that they... control aspects of the mind, isn't there? Yeah, of course. And, and not just, like, not like that. I mean, you know, treating Parkinson's, whatever it might be. Yeah. Things that are affected by the brain, they can control with medication. There's a truth set them out there. All right, it's not 100% effective. But yeah. LSD is that designed... Helps you in your way, doesn't it? LSD is designed to scramble your brain... And you don't think logical. You don't see what's in front of you. So what... I, I don't get what they could get from putting LSD into people. Like I I said, if, get it it. A, if it was some controlled drug they knew about, that all, you know, people keep taking it long enough, they'll be open to suggestion. You, you can kind of see where they're going with it. 
But LSD, it just messes your head up. So what good is that? Yeah, and it's like, I could not understand, but like if they were giving it to people in a controlled environment, in like a room, so they could test if they can... I'm sure they did do this to a certain extent, but a lot of the stories which we're going on, going through and stuff now, and we're going to go through, they're like in people in the street, like that 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 marshal in a bar. It's not like in a controlled environment, in a laboratory where they can do stuff. Maybe they'd done all the tests in a controlled environment and they didn't get the answers they wanted and thought, screw it, we need to hit this on the field. Because strange. you're not going to get no answers from LSD. No two people yeah. are going to react the same, and no two people are going to see the same thing. No, and, and even suggestion to people when they're on LSD, they won't see what you're telling them. They'll only see what their brain wants them to see. Yeah, and it's completely dependent on. Well, I think all hallucinogens, uh, how your body and your mind reacts to it, is completely based on previous you know life experience what's going on what's happened to you what's what you've been through what you're going through at the time if you're really stressed and like depressed and things like that at the time then there's a good chance you're gonna have kind of a bad experience if you've been someone who's been like abused and had loads of shit happen to them like that they're not going to probably have a good experience with it and especially when they're getting it without knowing. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. going to enhance It's, it's getting it without knowing. Like, because you have people who enjoy doing these things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So to them, God. they're going into it happy and positive. So to me, yeah. your brain's going to give them happy and positive back. Yeah, because I, they know what they're doing. Like I say, when I was younger, LSD was a big drug of choice. And I've seen a lot of people take it for the first time. And there weren't yeah. many people who enjoyed it the first time because they were scared and apprehensive. You don't know what it is. You hear all these cool stories, as they say, from people, but you don't know what it is. And you don't really yeah, believe you don't to see things until you do it. And then when you see them things, you think, fucking hell, I'm seeing things. And it's scary. It's freaky. The second, third, fourth, fifth time, you're enjoying it more. So you're going into it happy and positive. Do you get me? Oh, yeah, definitely, mate. And I it's, think um, a lot of it is based on that. Like you say, spy, you know, giving it to them, spiking them, basically, they're not going to know. Maybe the odd few, you know, when they come up and they go, have I, have I taken LSD today or something? You know, they might click and go, fucking hell, I've been spiked here. But I'm guessing they've tried to choose people who didn't know from all these yeah. stories. Seems like, didn't they? So. Yeah. Let's move on to some of the people. So the experiments continued, and even uh, so, this Frank Olson, he was a an army chemist. Uh, sorry, I've lost the page. I have to go down. He was a an, like he was one of their own, and like he ended up dying, and they said he killed himself. And it's like if they. <sighs> And that's what gets me is like they, they do it to people who, you know, legitimately are like part of their kind of, not, I don't want to say they're part of their gang, but they're like, they're on their side. They're in, yeah. they're ingrained in 
the 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 military way of life they're they're you know they're like they're people who were part of their team if you like it's not like their enemies they're who they're torturing or uh you know prisoners of war or something like that not that that would make it any better but but just in terms of like what they're doing is there's there's no rhyme no reason to it like they're doing it to people who if you asked a lot of those people if they would take part in some experiments to further to help the security of the united states of america a lot of them probably would have said yes because they were already part of the CIA or part of the 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 army or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to this whatsoever. It's like we're doing a serial killer one and trying to ration what they're doing. Yeah, it's, but it's the US government. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. like the drugs they've used and things, there is no... There's no explanation or reason why they would use them drugs. I think now we know that, but maybe at the time they didn't. Um, yeah, like you said, so, at the time it was all about love and happiness. When yeah. you're like that, you're probably more open to persuasion. Or when you're broken and down. So either way, drugs like that haven't got a middle ground. You're either mm. way up or way down. Yeah. Right, Frank Olson. He uh, so he worked at a university in Lafayette, West Lafayette in Indiana, um, and then he served as a captain in the U.S. Army Chemical Corps. Uh, and as a civilian, he was recruited to Camp Dietrich and to the U.S. Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. So that's what I mean. He was like, he's in there. He might not have been part of these experiments as such, but he is in those kind of departments. Um, Olsen's duties included experiments with aerialized, uh, aerosolized anthrax, and there were allegations that the, the US Army had used biological war weapons during the Korean War, which they always denied. Uh, ten years After 10 years, Olsen was a senior bact bacteriologist at the program. So he was involved in like experimentation with biological weapons, um, you know, like top secret kind of programs at the time. Um, he began working as a CIA employee with the CIA te technical te technical services staff, which was the TSS, which was read uh, run by that Sydney Gottlieb, which I mentioned just now. Yeah, uh, and a deputy Robert Lashbrook. So some of the CIA colleagues were involved in the MK Ultra programs, which was uh, previously known as Artichoke and Project Bluebird, which we discussed on part one. Um, so the author of uh, a book about Frank Olson reports that the, the a meeting at which Olson was dosed with LSD, LSD took place in Deep Creek Lake, Maryland, and he says. Uh, Deep, Deep Creek Lake was three hours by car from Camp Dietrich. So on Wednesday morning of uh, November 18, 1953, about a week before Thanksgiving, a group from the SO, the SO division, including uh, the chief of the division and Frank Olson and several other people, drove out to the retreat. <coughs> 
The Dietrich Group was met at the lodge by Sidney Gottlieb and his deputy Robert Lashbrook and a couple of others from the CIA. On the second day of the retreat after dinner, Gottlieb spiked a bottle of Cointreau with a small, sub, small quantity of the substance that he and his TSS colleagues privately referred to as the serin. Uh, yeah, the serin, but which it was in fact uh, a isosurgic acid diethylamide or LSD. I should have just said LSD there. <laughs> um, so they spiked him at this retreat. Uh, Olson then asked to quit the biowarfare program the week after the retreat. Uh, Ruit was surprised to see Olson at 7.30 in the morning, but asked him in. Olson told him that he was dissatisfied with his own performance at the retreat and that he was experiencing considerable self-doubt and that, in fact, he had decided he would like out of the germ warfare business. He wanted to leave Camp Dietrich and devote his life to something else. So, basically, they had a CIA, CIA retreat of some sort. Uh, and this guy from uh, Sydney Gottlieb and his colleagues from the SO division decided that they would spike the Quantro with the LSD. Uh, afterwards, Frank Olsen started to suffer with, uh, you know, self-doubt. Sounds like in what we would probably describe now as like depression or, or anxiety and things like that. Um, so that's the story up to there. What what do you think about that, mate? I don't really believe it, to be honest, mate. Let's be fair. No, no. So, well, this is we'll get on to it now. But years later, it's all been proven uh, true. But so Frank Olsen then subsequently suffered a severe paranoia and nervous breakdown. Um, the CIA sent him to New York to see one of their doctors who recommended that he be placed into a mental institution for recovery. Um, who was basically a CIA doctor, was helping psychotropic research into the effects of the drug. So the doctor they sent him to was also part of the, the research effect of the effects of LSD. Uh, so the ensuing police report said that on his last night in Manhattan, he also purposely threw himself out of the window of his 10th floor hotel room, which he'd been sharing with Lashbrook, which was the deputy to the chief guy. Uh, and he died shortly after impact. So, CIA man says he wants out after he's been dosed. Then he kills himself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, like, up to there. Makes me question this story a lot, though. Well, then. A deputy wouldn't be room sharing. Let me just check what he was. Mm -hmm. Sure, I said deputy, didn't I? Yeah, it was run by Sidney Gottlieb and his deputy. So, I like, yeah, but they're all quite, they're all in this secret uh, technical services staff group. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of, I can see what you mean. Right. The films are loosely deputy. based on the truth. Name me any film where CIA, uh, CIA agents share a room unless they're on a mission. They're going to briefings, yeah. meetings, anything like that. They don't. But, but remember that this is the 
at this point, that's the like the official story that he they yeah. were sharing a room, and that he threw himself out the tenth floor window. What's happened in the years got like since then is that it's actually been proved that that's not what happened. Um, so rather than I'm not going to go through, there's like a big huge like breakdown of what happens each year. I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. Um, basically, his sons through the four play uh, just to us. Yeah, right. So in 2013, uh, 2012, 13, his sons Eric and Niles Olson filed a lawsuit uh, in uh, Washington D.C. seeking unspecified damages. I do you know what I shouldn't have I should missed out a bit there. They got paid, the family got paid off in 1975. Should have read that. But, um, so in 1975, Olson's family and friends told uh, Olson's family told friends that Olson had suffered a fatal nervous breakdown, which had resulted in the fall. The family had no knowledge of the specific details surrounding the tragedy until wait for it now. You're going to love this. The Rockefeller Commission uncovered. The CIA MK Ultra activities in 1975. That year, the government admitted that Olson had been dosed with LSD without his knowledge nine days before his death. And after the family announced that they planned to sue the agency over his death for wrongful death, the government offered them an out of court settlement of $1.25 million, which was later reduced to 750 which they accepted. The family received apologies from President Gerald Ford and the CIA director. Okay. So, the CIA in 1975 admitted that they dosed him, but the story was still that he killed himself. Um, they paid the family off, basically, so they didn't sue the government. Um, then in 2013, his sons tried to reopen it and seek more damages because they felt there was documents which meant that you know he hadn't thrown himself out the window but the, the judge threw up dismissed the suit but he said while the court must limit its analysis to the four corners of the complaint the skeptical reader may wish to know that the public record supports many of the allegation in the family suit far-fetched as they may sound um, and basically what he's referring to is they got an ME medical examiner to examine. They exhumed the body and they uh, had a look, at, you know, at the injuries to the body. They found a large hematoma on the left side of his head and large injuries to his chest. And the team of ME doctors and stuff concluded in 1996 that blunt force trauma to the head injury and to the chest had not occurred during the fall, most likely occurred in the room before the fall. Uh, they called the evidence rankly, starkly suggestive of homicide, um, which is when then the family sort of pushed on between 96 and 2013 to try and get their story out there. But there they go, mate. That's the story of Frank Olson. It is crazy, isn't it? And like that judge said, it's like it sounds so far fetched, but it's true. And it's like Jesus Especially Christ. Especially back then, like now, 
it's a lot more believable that people will do these things to other people. But back then, the, I just a lot of the world was horrific. built on models and respect. But yeah, it just shows think, think, how shady the governments have always been. Yeah, you think of how, like, uh, like 1960s America was portrayed as, like, like being really, like, mild-mannered and family values and this that type of stuff. Yeah, 2.4 children and, you know, this sort of, like, the perfect life type thing. And and the thing which gets me about Frank Olsen, apart from the, the length of time that it's taken his family to, you know, to get to the truth and finally get evidence to support the truth and expose all of it, is that he was one of them. Not just like he was in the CIA as like just some sort of analyst or or like in the army as just a soldier somewhere. He was literally part of their like secret programs, their biological weapons, their chemical weapon type things, like all their top secret weaponry. He was a part of that team. Yeah. And they just completely discarded him. And you know, maybe they killed him because after they dosed him, it seems like he had like a bit of a change of heart and didn't want to be involved in that shady shit anymore. And maybe they felt like they couldn't risk someone who's been dosed as well, kind of leaving the pro, like leaving the program or the team or whatever you want to call it. And because he'd had that kind of change in thought process about wanting to be involved in chemical or germ warfare. Maybe they thought he was going to talk. I, I, I'm not really, I, do, you know, I, I don't know. This kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That that would be the reason why they would kill him. I can't think of another reason why they'd kill him other than that, that they thought he would perhaps defect and expose like the stuff that they would yeah. have done. Um, right, are you good? Good for time and little girl, okay, and stuff. Still haven't heard anything yet, mate, so. Right, okay. So a couple of the other cases I got is, um, so Ken, Ken, I think it's Casey, I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce it. I think it's Ken Casey, the author of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, which is obviously a source of inspiration to kind of counterculture movement. Uh was first exposed to LSD and other psychedelic drugs as part of the MK Ultra project while still a graduate student at Stanford University. He came to be involved in this study by accident as a neighbor who was a psychologist had signed up for the project but had to back out at the last minute. Um, Casey was an outstanding athlete and a straight-laced individual at that point. He had never done any sort of drugs, never even tasted alcohol. At the time of the experiments, Casey was training for the 1960 Olympics and as he had earned a place on the wrestling team as an alternate. Despite uh, Alan Ginsberg's insistence, Casey did not believe that the project was sponsored by the CIA and not until decades later did he discover the program's true intent. He said the testing wasn't being done to cure insane people which is what we thought it was being done to try and make people insane, to weaken people and to be able to put them under the control of their interrogators 
Of course, the resulting effect of LSD did not weaken Casey, as psychedelics came to be a tool of enlightenment for the author and a culture, and he turned into a cultural icon. Um, messed up. Uh, Casey noted that the, he suddenly realised there was a lot more to the world than he had previously thought. Uh, one of those things that came out of nowhere is that there's room. We don't ha all have to be the same. We don't all have to be Baptists coast to coast. We can throw in some Buddhists and some Christians and other people who were just before that he had thought was uh, like a strange concept. He had been quite sort of, like I said, straight laced. So whilst he went on to be relatively successful, and he seems to be implying that the LSD actually helped him with his kind of creativity, if you like, and when he went on to write that book and he went on to be quite successful. The other way to look at it as well is that he was in training for the Olympics. He was already on the wrestling team as an alternate. He was, he was doing, you know, he was never done drugs, never drunk alcohol. Where would he have gone if he had, if they hadn't had done those testing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But uh, on the flip side there, he probably never wrote that film and would never have been a cult icon. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it's interesting what he did say, though. He said, we thought that the, they would be in, done to cure people who were insane, but they weren't. They were being done to make people insane and to weaken them and put them under control of their interrogators. So it's like Crazy. another example of them just oh, having no... It's, it's scary, mate, isn't it? That they yeah. were so, like, blasé about what they were doing. Um, so another famous one, or famous name, should I say, uh, who supposedly was involved or affected or experimented on, was Whitey Bulger, infamous gangster who evaded capture for decades before he was finally arrested in 2011. Wow, didn't know that. Uh, I knew he'd been arrested like quite late in life. I didn't realise that he'd been arrested that, that recently. Yeah. Uh, Bulger was exposed to LSD testing while in federal prison in Atlanta. In exchange for a lighter sentence, for 18 months, Bulger and other inmates were subjected to drug testing, which Bulger described in his notebook as horrible LSD experiences followed by thoughts of suicide and deep depression. He was deeply and negatively affected by the project and he compared the project to Joseph Mengale's The Nazi Doctor Responsible for the Horrific Human ex Experiments in uh, the War uh, and he compared it to that. He basically suffered anxiety for the rest of his life. Um, and apparently the gangster was so enraged after learning of the program's true intent and the effects that it had on him that he strongly considered tracking down the doctor, Dr. Carl Pfeiffer, who was the pharmacologist who had oversaw the program with the goal of killing him. Um, and again, like, they got to him when he was in prison quite early on in life wasn't in prison for killing anyone. He was in prison for something relatively light. He got 18 months. 
what would he you know how different would his personality yeah. have been if it wasn't for that did they make him into the psychopath that he became or did was he always going to be that um that's it that's something you can never ever know I'm sure it didn't help no but like i'm sure it didn't make him like better oh definitely not but there's just no answer is there no there's no way there's no way to say for definite either way other than that it goes back to what we were saying about the them using people who were in prison who no one would listen to no one would if they had moaned or if they had sort of tried to bring attention to it no one would have cared because they were just oh they're in prison doesn't matter they you know they deserve it kind of thing yeah and so they just used them like lab rats so who else do we got so it's like i haven't heard of some of these other ones but they were quite interesting um <clears throat> so we got to so finish off with so harold blower was a professional tennis player who had competed against the likes of bill tilden widely considered one of the greatest tennis players of all time following a bout with depression that was least was at least partially caused by his recent divorce Blauer checked himself into the New York State Psychiatric Institute. Let me tell you there, that was that was the worst mistake he ever made. And I can tell you that before I've read the rest. He um he was diagnosed as a pseudo neurotic schizophrenic. He checked in during the December nineteen fifty two and he would be dead a month later. Though he was improving and was scheduled for release from the institute. Doctors began treating Blauer with a series of injections that turned out to be uh, mescaline and LSD. These injections were administered, uh, though some of the doctors had no idea what they were injecting. Dr. James Catel later told investigators, we didn't know whether it was dog piss or what it was we were giving him. Dr. Keitel was acting on a classified agreement between the Institute and the Army Chemical Corps, which was the same place that, uh, what's his face we just talked about was working? Uh, Frank Colson. So the same place. Surprise. Uh, yeah, whatever. Fancy that. Um, between the Institute and the Army Chemical Corps, which they used to test various chemicals for potential warfare and one of the injections given to Blauer ultimately killed him. So they were testing potential chemical weapons on people in the hospital. Yeah. I'm I, I shocked every time I like go through another bit because you just can't believe the, the depths that they went to to, like... Chemical warfare on, you know, not just your own people, people you work with. Yeah, it's messed up, man. It's like they injected him with all this stuff. Um, he died. They covered it up. Surprise, surprise. Um, and not until 1975 did the government finally admit to Blauer's family that it had injected him with um, the mescaline derivative that had caused his death. In 1987, the family sued the government for its involvement and the sub- subsequent cover-up 
and they won $700,000. While Blauer was tested as part of the agreement made with the Army Chemical Corps, the principal researcher at New York State Psychiatric Institute was Dr. Paul Hoch, who was a CIA consultant on the MKUltra project. Um, so, yeah, so it's funny how they're all linked, though, isn't it? Not funny at all, but, but like they're all, it's all like the same departments and people, and they're all just like moving. It's almost like, like when you read it back, it's almost like they're moving around the country, just testing their shit out on people who can't defend themselves. And it's either on people who don't know about it, like the workers, the agents, the police, whatever, test it on them or test it on people who no one cares about, test it on people who can't protect themselves. And they're just moving from place to place, just testing new chemicals and new stuff to see what happens. It's, it's just, it's, it's crazy, mate. Like I say, that there's no rhyme or reason to these tests either. It's as if they've just done it for fun. No, we don't really know what this drug does. Let's just pump it into loads of people and see if we can get, you know, a benefit out of it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the last one I want to go through is um, this U.S. Marshal. Um, the reason I want to go through it is because there's a bit of detail about it, but also because he was uh, not just Deputy U.S. Marshal, but he was also a, a Marine Corps vet veteran. His name was Wayne Ritchie. Um and he claims that he was unknowingly dosed while he was on hol at a holiday party with other federal officers in 1957 December um, in a sworn de deposition that he gave as part of the lawsuit. Uh, Ira Fieldman, a CIA, involved, a CIA agent involved in the MKUltra program, explained the manner in which he observed unknowing citizens that he drugged with LSD. He said, you would just sit back away from them, let them worry like a nitwit, Richie, he said. And before going on to acknowledge that Richie's dosage was full head, was a full head and that Richie was targeted because he deserved to suffer. The evening he was exposed to LSD, Richie began to act er erratically and felt an overwhelming sense of anxiety and worthlessness. After having an argument with his girlfriend, in which she said she wanted to move away from San Francisco, he armed himself with his government-issued revolver and tried to get money for a plane ticket by robbing a bar in Philmont District. During the robbery attempt, someone at the bar knocked Richie out, and by the time he regained consciousness, the police were already there to arrest him. And though he pleaded guilty to armed robbery, Richie was sentenced to five years of probation, and a fine of $500, and he was forced to resign from the U.S. Marshals. He went on to be a painter and decorator of houses as his primary source of income. Uh, more than 40 years after the incident, Richie learned that the CIA's learned of the CIA's program and that it tested LSD and other drugs on unwitting citizens in the San Francisco area. He filed a lawsuit, and while it was dismissed, the court acknowledged that it was quite possible that Ritchie was drugged by the CIA, but his behaviour was more likely some undiagnosed organic condition. 
Yeah, sure. And uh, all I can say is that is fuck off. That that really gets me. That does because the people who did it have kind of said, "Yeah, we did it. We did it because he, we felt like he deserved it. Like he was nothing. Like we, so we drugged him and watched what happened. We sat back and watched what happened. And then when he's finally found out forty years later, and thought, "No, that wasn't right. I deserve to get." some sort of compensation because of my life I lost my job and I lost my career the court said oh it might have happened but could have been just a undiagnosed condition this, this yeah sure that's that's like horrific mate that is that that's like a really sad end to the whole thing not that there was ever going to be a happy ending to it but like Jesus Christ There's a couple so, of others, but MK Ultra, what a bunch of cunts. That's all I can say. <clears throat> and it makes you wonder, though, what have they done since? Yeah, what's going to what be found Yeah, what's the next big scandal? Well, mate, i got to be honest. I think what they're doing at the moment is they're, they're pitting the people of the world against each other to see oh, what happens. Totally, divide and conquer. Because like the 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 leaders and the and the the elite, the Rockefellers of the world, their families, they've got these big mansions with huge underground bunkers. So when everything goes to shit, they'll just go and live in their bunkers till everyone's killed each other, and then come back up and yeah, this Amazon rainforest thing. It's a smokescreen for something. Something's going down somewhere. Well, mate, it's just like. They're like everywhere, America, Britain especially, they're pitting everyone against each other. It's only going to go one way. Everything's just going to blow up into like this massive, almost civil war. I can see it coming a mile off and they're just going to sit back and watch. And I kind of get the, I feel like that's what they're doing. They're like yeah. sitting back and watching how people react. They trace everything on social media. They listen to your, your calls and your phones and everything else through the uh, Facebook app and your Amazon apps and stuff like that, you know, your Alexas and the Echoes and Google and things like this. So they know, you know, like the NSA, you know, they monitor everything. They know everything that everyone's saying. They know all the different threats that people are making and all this kind of shit. And I do just think that they're, they're just watching and they, they won't like step in. They'll let everyone kind of, clash and look look at america how many times in the last 12 months have you seen antifa and some sort of group clashing in the uk like if you go on youtube and type in antifa there's like it's like once or twice a month loads of videos of like just people fighting in the streets or like clashing or rioting or protesting and turning nasty and i just think that's what I think they're doing at the moment. Just oh, my view, though. I think they've been doing it since since the since dawn of the time. time. Yeah, definitely, mate. But I do feel like they've upped the ante a bit now with Trump and with Boris. I feel like, obviously, you know, they're the leaders, but they're not the leaders, are they? They're, they're, they're probably going to be the most manipulated leaders ever. 
can you imagine like oh, yeah. the, the first epic, well the it? Rockefellers and the the New World Order type people that are, you know they're just telling yeah they're just puppets the Bilderberg group are just telling them exactly what to do when they want him they want him to rile everyone up they want him to they want Trump to be treat, tweeting and and every time he does a speech they want everyone to go nuts and hit their social media and hit the streets they want that yeah um, but there you go it is what it is I suppose it's, it's, um, it's crazy how we're going to have like Boris Johnson and Donald Trump pretty much leading us lead, into the generation mate leaders of the free world mate fuck me I'd rather be on MSB every day yeah, something it look rosy, as they say in uh, Eight Mile. Fuck the free world. So after that j- jolly happy podcast ending, uh, tell us what you think about MK Ultra. Tell us what you think about Frank Olsen. Tell us what you think about poor Mister uh, Richie at the end there who lost his U.S. Marshal job. And then got basically told to suck it up and like it. Um, tell us what you think the CIA and the government are up to these days. What experiments they're doing now. You can uh, tell us uh, in the comments below on YouTube. Facebook.com slash AceCastNation. Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation. Tell us what you think. Send Tell us what subject you want us to talk about next. What conspiracy theory? Uh, we got new serial killer shows coming up, and plenty of uh, shows on everything else coming soon. Drop a like on the video, and come say hi. Thanks for joining me, Reese. Always a pleasure, mate. Yeah, plenty of rambles today. Plenty of tangents. So good. A bit of a tangent about psychedelics, but you know, what can you do? See you next time. Have a good time. Have a good day. Laters. Off we the same pet. Network.